What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 353. My favorite kind of episode where it's the same forwards and backwards. They call them palindromes. Uh, my okay. name's Steve. <laughs> I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And uh, as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. Guys, how are you doing today? Mm. Doing good? Good. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Good. Ron, you look good. You look good today. Yeah, you look really like yeah. Relaxed is a good word. You look yeah. charged a little bit. I was so stressed out. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. so stressed out about that whole. Like I was rushing because uh, I got a new computer and the dock that I was using for it. So I have a new strategy. What I'm going to do is use the old my current small computer. Once we record it, put it on a flash drive. And then take it to the one that I'm going to edit on. I don't have to be beholden to this fancy new computer. Yeah, you do what you got to do. I don't know it's shit. I don't know that computer or anything. The great thing it about keeps, talking about... It keeps about, you in control, though, too. You know, Don't let it control you. I'm all, I'm the all great thing about talking about not to. this stuff on the show is that if any listener can improve on our workflow, they just heard what Ronald's workflow is. So yeah, if any listener so, yeah, wants to like yeah. help... I, I imagine we might have some tech-minded... Kind of nerdy, absolutely. Yeah, so some well, actually, yeah, well, well, that's listener. not the most efficient way to do it. Um, and even people yeah. with deep voices who know a lot about technology, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. All right, uh, we got a fun episode planned for tonight. Uh, so we're going to start off the as always with the, the required viewing. This week's movie is uh, Magic. John picked it last week. Mm. This is uh, from 1978. Uh, just in case you're IMDb in this film as you listen to this podcast, um, we'll get into that in a moment. And then we're going to go right into a review for uh, the new Billy Eichner comedy rom-com uh, from Nicholas Stoller called Bros, which by the time you're listening to this episode is available uh, digitally, which is uh, we'll get into that even during the review. And then we're going to round out the episode with the final Halloween film, at least for the near future, I guess. Um the last of the th trilogy that David Gordon Green directed, um, Jamie Lee's Curtis is in as Laurie Strode, came out last Friday in theaters and on Peacock. Uh, Halloween ends. We're going to um, kind of wrap the episode up with a review of that. But let's get into magic. John, talk about magic again briefly. Tell us why you picked it. And uh, let's jump into that. Um, well, Magic is a movie from 1978 that was written by the great William Goldman. Um, if you want to see why I say the great, just look at the other screenplays he wrote. And it's also based on a book that he wrote called Magic. So I, I, and I actually read the book in the last week. So I was looking for that, like how faithful of an adaptation is this movie on top of other things. But this is just a movie that was around when I was a kid um, in the tradition of uh, Ronald's pick last time. Um, Never ending story, uh, or was it Steve's pick? Steve's pick yeah, last time, never ending story. Um, it was such a never ending story. I forgot who who started it. <laughs> um, but uh, I it was a, I watched that as a movie checked out at the library when I was a kid, and that 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 feeling sort of accidentally. I had already chosen Magic, but Magic is another movie that I remember either the library or the Video Express. That was a movie that made it home, and it was sort of like. I was allowed, I don't know, I was in my teens when that one, you know, I was I was a little bit older. I was not like 11 or 12 when I watched it. Right. But it was, it was definitely one that my parents had seen and that they thought I would enjoy. Um, and so, you know, that was just 
that was where it was for me. It's like, oh, it's, it had that stamp of approval of my parents think this is a pretty good movie or a pretty creepy movie. But I, I do think I was a little bit older and I was maybe past some of my can't sleep at night uh, stuff because I don't think my parents would have recommended this to me when I was when I was. <laughs> so it might have even been like older teens. My point being, I remember seeing this movie that time and then maybe a couple of years later in college and still thinking, oh, yeah, this is a, a, a this movie holds up. And then it's been what now, you know, 20 25, 27 years or something like that since I've watched it. So it's just a movie I remembered being creepy. I remembered it being like at the time when I watched it, it, it was that little bit. It's a, it's like from that era, that late 70s era where they were making a lot of uh, some of the movies that are still creepy to people, the movies that still hold up. Um, and I think this was a time, this was a movie made, this is a really well-made movie. I mean, this is a, a reasonably budgeted movie. It's made with a certain amount of polish. So it makes me think of other movies like The Exorcist or The Shining or something like that, where it's like, oh, here was a studio picture, but it was also a, a, a creepy movie. You know, it was kind of, an, for its time, elevated horror, so to speak, because it's got, you know, great actors and... Um, and I, things I, I remember loving about it when I was a kid, if people don't know what we're talking about and they didn't bother to watch it, it's a story. It's a pretty simple idea, right? Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, a magician who, whose act is flopping. And so he brings an insulting uh, ventriloquist dummy into his act that is named Fats. And that personality of Fats becomes like the, the heart of his act. And it gets him onto like the talk shows and maybe poises him to be ready to do a television special and then there's the question of his his mental health going into that television special and that's when he kind of cuts bait and leaves town and catches up with an old girlfriend played by Anne margaret um and uh, so it's anthony hopkins and Anne margaret and then burgess meredith as the guy's manager who comes looking for him is great and it's just this question you have throughout the movie of is he is he just a broken person? Is there actually some sort of other personality he slips into or that exists because of this doll? Um, it's a good, uh, you know, unreliable narrator kind of movie where you're, 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 they're shooting things so that you're, you're not seeing moments. It's a little bit like Calvin and Hobbes or something like that, where, you know, you're seeing the doll laying there and you're knowing that the kid's imagination is bringing it to life. But every now and then it seems like the doll is doing something when the when the man is not controlling it and so it keeps that kind of mystery alive of just is this some kind of supernatural occurrence with this ventriloquist dummy that's stuff that's going on or is it um you know anthony hopkins just just really having a mental break and then bodies start piling up um so yeah i mean i i felt like this movie in a lot of ways really held up as like a a, a the what the pacing and the tension of it and i think you know you talk about anthony hopkins playing a Almost, it felt like a tribute to Norman Bates, uh, which is coincidental that we've watched Psycho Two as a as a selection. Right. Um, there was this idea that we have this nervous, kind of nerdy, uh, awkward prota protagonist who is very quickly revealed to be mentally unstable. You know, um, and uh, yeah, he made me nervous. What did you guys think of Anthony Hopkins' performance? What did you think of this movie? <clears throat> Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> oh, you want me to go? I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. Idea. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen something where I, I've seen uh Anthony Hopkins so untethered. And and I see what you mean. Like, man, he made me feel crazy because I'm like, he's so erratic all the time, which I, I really enjoyed. And his manager almost said, You're a bum rock, as he's talking to him. <laughs> uh Burgess Meredith. God, his he's great in this. incredible. He's He's so good, man. He's so sleazy. 
And but there's like a moral code to it, man. He's like, I need you to be healthy. I need you to be mentally okay when you do this stuff. Um, one of the things that really stands out to me that like, I mean, just as a performer, the thing that when he first introduces fats, uh, what he does is just so genius that it, I think it could work now. You know, yeah. just the idea of somebody kind of calling from the back of the room, insulting you and you go back to basically beat the hell out of them. And it's a it's a puppet like. I knew that I was watching something that was a little more elevated at that point, you know, uh, not, not, ju not just the way it was filmed, but just the acting and Margaret, just, a just a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. She kind of looked like uh Carrie Mulligan to me at, you know, in the movie, like just kind of the way the the kind of sweet. Well, you could definitely imagine a reboot that... of this movie with Carrie Mulligan in that role yes. completely. Carrie that's, Mulligan. That's a, yeah. That's yeah. a good call. So, but the 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 chemistry with the two of them, and man, I think I think okay, this is the last thing I'll say because I, I feel like I'm rambling. But I think I just no, like ramble this on. More than I, I could have ever I could have ever imagined um, when the scene when they saw each other and then they each went to their rooms and like fuck they didn't know they didn't remember who I was. I thought. That was so cool because it's something that you don't really see and and even rom coms that's done well, um and and it pulled it off somehow. It's like man, I I know that feeling of being out and you know as a Marylander and seeing somebody you used to go to school with, and it's like man, does this person know that they affected me in a great way? Like I really like being around them or the opposite, and it's weird. You just pass somebody just like hey, what's up? And just like or don't say anything at all. Uh, <laughs> well, there's that so thing. The, I, the weirdest I, form of that is when you you don't you choose not to talk to somebody, and then you yes. walk away feeling kind of funny. Like, should I have just said hello to that person? And then you go, wait, right. did they did they did they recognize me as well? And they didn't talk to me. What's their fucking problem? You know. So it's this weird back and forth. But well, I'll tell you this: in the book, Ronald, the one chapter is from his point of view, and he goes back to the bungalow, and he's kind of talking to himself and to the puppet. And so you, it's not weird to hear him say it out loud. Um, but he's like, ah, oh, gosh, she didn't remember me. Um, and that's when you, the reader, realize that, oh, this, because in the book, it's much more spelled out. There's been a lot of flashbacks already of his child year, his, his teen years and what happened in high school. Okay. So, so both Duke and Peggy are like characters we know already, you know, from the past. Okay. Um, and the whole thing about Duke having this beautiful head of hair and looking in the book itself is Presley that he looks like. And she goes out, marries him right after high school when he's like the star athlete and stuff. And so the movie, the movie does all that, but it's like spelled out in little dialogue. Um, but then it, the, the next chapter begins with her inside, and I think it's like the first sentence is, he doesn't remember me, and she's saying it to herself in the mirror. And it's kind of, so it's like the book manages to do the same thing the movie did, of like giving you the moment, and then boom, boom, and that cut. I do think that it, it felt like you were watching something, at least something, I mean, again, William Goldman is a great screenwriter, so maybe it's not surprising that he would structure this well and like make those little reveals work. But the fact that that itself is kind of like a reveal, oh, there's, this is not just a random thing, this is a person he has a past with. If you look, note, like earlier, he, he's got her, it's kind of creepy, he's got her like high school yearbook picture in front of his dressing room mirror in one of the earlier scenes. Um, so, and there's a little bit in the book too. He's a little too fixated on how this woman looked when she was quote 15. Um, I, I think the author was just trying to make it like when he had the crush on her, but it feels a little bit like, uh, um, 
what's his name? Uh, Humbert Humbert from uh, uh, from Lolita, where it's like this guy's appreciation of women is locked in at some you know arrested state. So he's still got a crush on the the high school cheerleader, which you know he confesses that to her. But it's creepy. It's like that whole thing about she doesn't remember me, he doesn't remember me. It's quickly it kind of sours in a sense. Like Peggy's having a more pure experience, whereas. Um, uh, Corky's experience. He is a little, there's some stalkery, weird, obsessive vibes that we start to see come out. What did you think of that? Like that, that card trick scene, Ronald, where he basically kind of loses it on her and, and she kind of sticks around, but that felt so much like abusive behavior that just like what she gets from Duke, we find out later she's in an abusive marriage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Duke is. Do you, do I mean, you but... think, do you think he actually got the right card in that scene? I don't know. I think I, we I saw her card, so. though. I, th I think it was I, the Three of Clubs. Oh, oh really? I don't yeah. remember seeing her card. I think it was the Three of Clubs. But I think in I the context, she didn't get it. In I the context of the book, she was relieved. It. So did I. She yeah. was relieved that she that he got it because she didn't want him to flip out like that. But I think in the sh in the movie, you see that it was something he did that trick that way on purpose. You know, mm. he uh, okay. he like would make it, but he would hopefully do a less crazy version of it. But the idea is, you do it once and you don't get it, then the person really leans in, and then you get it, and then you feel closer to them. Right. So, but I still think like that moment was like, man, why is she even continuing to talk to this guy? Like at that moment yes. on, it was hard for you to accept any of his sort of romantic behavior or, and I think in seventies and eighties movies, male protagonists, a lot of times have that quality where you go, did they know they were depicting like a weird misogynistic character or did they, did they think this was just like a man? You know, I, I felt that way in it's Thief. Okay. It's just like, is this just an eighties man or is this like a deliberate yeah. portrayal of a misogynistic jerk? <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I having not seen it before, like this was always something that I felt like was a movie that, you know, I see it on lists every once in a while. And I remember reading an article forever ago about Gene Wilder, uh, I suppose, you know, was having initially was supposed to be in this role. Um, and it, that always like stuck with me in terms of like wanting to see it. But um, having now seen it, like, I thought the movie was really good. Like I, I it definitely, you know, it, I don't know, like it, it's definitely a movie of its time and, and, and a lot of the craft and the way it was made. And it's not like a cut at all in the movie, but I no. think in a lot of ways, like for the some of the story points, it actually helps it. Um, there's a, you know, a couple of scenes I took a, like notes on that I kind of stood out to me um, actually was in, in the in the scene where they're having sex. And like there's like this sweeping romantic score, like the very stereotypical score. And like every shot where it would like flash out to fat sitting on the chair, you'd hear like that, like discordant, like harmonica chiming uh -huh. in uh -huh. like that, that kind of stuff, like really kind of strikes a, you know, chord um, to kind of like set a tone. And I thought that scene really stood out. I really like the scene where uh, she comes out to tell him that Duke is that Duke is back mm -hmm. and is watching them. And like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sweet moment when he asks if he has the telescope and then just basically tells her, all those sweet things about like yeah. how he's always loved her. Like I felt like that whole line of dialogue, that writing there was really great. Um, and then the scene between Ben and Corky, when he like challenges him to sit five minutes without fats, that is like a fucking masterclass. Yeah. Like that scene is amazing. And yeah, I think whoever said Burgess Meredith is just great in this movie, you know, in the, in the little screen time that he has, but that scene specifically, like when he breaks out that cigar and oh, my God, that scene was great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just great performances. I mean, I, I, I like the kind of the way it kind of plays around with the, 
the, with DID and like, you know, what's going on with this, with this, with this character, both Fats and Corky, you know, who's playing who. And uh, as the movie goes along, you know, kind of blurs it a little bit more. And you wonder it at, at moments you wonder, is the doll doing anything on its own? But then, you know, you kind of have this reveal that in most cases, you know, you're, you're seeing that Corky is, is involved. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I had this sense watching it. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if you experienced this, Ronald, but like, I watched it on freebie. So it's available on freebie. If you, if, if anybody out there wanting to listen it, which is what Amazon kind of rebranded IMD TV as, and you can watch it as a channel on prime TV, if you have that. Um, so it's available for streaming there as, as a free stream. Um, but it looked really good, like for being a movie that it whatever that, great. What, yeah, whatever that transfer was for a movie of its age. And, you know, even thinking, you know, seeing a Hopkins performance, whatever, whatever it was, 13 or 14 years before Lecter comes around, you know, it, it's, it's a nice little precursor to what that character and what that performance looked like in Silence of the Lambs. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good. And, uh, just really well-rounded performances from everybody on the screen, really. Yeah, and, and I will stress oh. how faithful it was to the book. I was, it's, it's really interesting oh, wow. how, how much... Well, I mean, when you realize it's a short novel written by a screenwriter, and the screenwriter also does the movie, <laughs> it's right, like, right. it's no great mystery that it would be faithful. But I, do, I did start watching the movie. I finished the book and then started watching the movie, and I was like, instantly I felt like, oh yeah, William Goldman didn't just get to adapt his his book he probably wrote the book knowing how it might work as a movie, as a movie and also right. knew how to make the knew how to put all the stuff you needed from the book into the movie so if there was a flashback in the book that told us something in the movie there's a line of dialogue somewhere in there there were still some things that didn't have the full setup that you might have expected but i think some of that was just uh some of that worked in the end for yeah. the for for the movie and for the for the way it was put together that it's not all completely spelled out like you get the idea of who the postman is his his uh, his agent uh you get the idea that his rolls royce <laughs> because he delivers right but i love that and i also love that they call him gan green because he's old and yeah. you know but like uh his name is uh ben green and then earlier we have that moment where he's getting out of his car and he says nobody touches a rolls but a rolls man and then later the rolls royce becomes uh, important so it's like there's all this really expert like you could imagine William Goldman giving a lecture on like thriller structure and talking about how the, the reveals in this movie work. Because when we get to that last moment where whatever, I forget exactly how he says it, but uh, Fats is saying to, uh, to Corky as they're bleeding out, as they're both dying, us was you, us was always you kiddo or whatever he says, you know, or schmucko mm. he says to him. So it's like, um, it does answer that question that it, you know, it's, but, but there are a couple of moments where that doll's eyes move a little bit or where it shifts slightly where nothing's, no one's near it. And I think, I think those yeah. moments are so expertly inserted into the movie that they're really just there to make you feel like maybe you're losing your mind a little bit while you're, while you're watching it. Yeah, because it seems like it's very clearly set up that Corky is behind the, the killings. Um, I don't know. And then I think all the business with disposing of a body, I like, it feels very Hitchcockian when a movie spends time on like the nitty gritty aftermath of like, okay, there's not just been yeah. a murder, but now you've got to get rid of a body. Oh, and guess what? 
the the guy's not dead and he's he's more of a fighter than <laughs> than you might have thought all that stuff is is really fun but steve yeah i i also wanted to call out that moment the can you can you can you let fat sit still for five minutes can you just yeah. not talk can you not be the puppet for five minutes and anthony hopkins sitting there fantastic for both of them i love the way he's drawing it out and the way he slowly checks the time and yeah he takes out that big that big cigar and starts smoking it and um Anthony Hopkins, yeah, it's doing a fantastic, you said masterclass, but like, you know what, you know, it's tough for him, but you don't realize maybe until that moment that even he realizes like, I don't, he says like, I don't think I can make it. He's like halfway. Yeah, yeah barely halfway. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And then he just he, blows he, he just admits to it. Yeah. And then just, and, and, and then that time, like, you know, the scene kind of playing out in real time and you're watching it as, as, as Ben's watching his watch every time. Corky asks for the time and he's like, you know, a couple minutes have gone by. It's been 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, it's just like this, this perception of like what his ability is to separate from this, uh, from this doll. It's just like, it's just that that's kind of where the whole thing just blows up and you just realize that, you know, what Ben sees and what we've been watching really is something that Corky accepts. And then from there it just kind of splits off and that's where all the chaos ensues to quote my friend Ronald James. <laughs> so as for as for a scene that's not in this movie, though, I believe I said last time one of my all-time scare scenes, I think, is in this movie. Um, and I was watching the movie, and I was like, it's not in this movie. I thought, and oh. here's a moment, now I'm throwing it out to you, I'm throwing it out to the world. What movie is it? I feel like it has to be an old movie because I've known this scene my you know most of my adult life where someone mm. goes to look under the door and the eyeball is right there like, hmm. I thought it was the dummy at some point in this movie that someone looks under the door to see what's going on and the, the, the eyes just right there. But now I'm like, well, what movie is that in where someone is like, you can imagine the tension of like looking, you're about to look, you're about to look, and then you get down there and then it's yeah. like, it's just staring right back at you. It's not, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's not what you expect. And that that moment freaked me out. But now I'm wondering what movie it's from. What what And, and now I'm also wondering, like, did I somehow combine the moment where she's talking and seeing the movement under the door with some other, you know, like, did I conflate things? But I think it's a moment that I'm just, uh, I, I put in this movie and it's not in this movie. So now I throw it out to the world. And I, I tried to look it up online and it was hard to find because he put in like scary scene where someone looks under door, you know, it's like, you'll get a, it's few, a very unique description. You'll get a few hits, but sometimes you, when all the hits are like from the last 10 years, you're like, now nah, I know this is not the thing I've been thinking about since, you know, at least the nineties. So anyway, yeah, the, I, I will investigate, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you guys <laughs> liked it. I, I, I really did feel oh, like this I'll was like a, it a, lot. a fun movie to watch. And I know we've said it already so many times, but like that performance of Burgess Meredith, that it's, it's that perfect kind of character actor, uh, character in a movie like this. It's like, he's not one of the leads. But every scene right. he's in, he just brings it to life, and and he becomes so important in that moment where he's the one person maybe who can say to Corky, um, "You need to check yourself." You know, there's no one else in his life really who knows him well enough to tell him that. Yeah, that scene's great. Again, that's on freebie. If uh, you haven't watched it, um, and you want to check it out or want to rewatch it, it's a good time of the year to do that, and. Uh, if you've ever, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I was looking through trying to find where to, where to watch it. And I forgot that. Well, I remembered hearing it was recent that IMDb TV got renamed to freebie, which is all under like, you know, Amazon. Um, but it's a free channel if you have prime TV. So you check that out. There's a lot of stuff on there. I was surprised to see um, for free. Um, cool. Yeah. 
So getting into the the first of our, our main two reviews, uh, I mentioned earlier that Bros, the new Nicholas Stoller comedy produced by Judd Apatow, um, co-written by Stoller and Billy Eichner, who stars in the movie also. It's a rom-com. Uh, came out in theaters less than two weeks ago. Well, two-ish weeks ago, a little over by the time this comes out. Um, and it's one of those movies with all the buzz in the world and great reactions from festival screenings and press screenings and an upper 90s percentile on, I think, both audience and press on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, just grossly underperformed. You know, this movie, I, th- I don't even think it made $5 million in its opening weekend. Um and dropped even more the following weekend. And now it's available on VOD, uh, digital platforms, because of the universal deal that they have, where, you know, basically they have a threshold. And I, I want to say it's if it if it makes over 50 million, they have, uh, you know, the opportunity to kind of keep it in. Well, I can't remember what the details are now that I say it all. Basically, if something underperforms, they have a window where they can release this thing digitally in 17 days. And that's what happened to bros. So it comes out this week digitally. And uh, I don't think any, did any of us, you didn't see it in theaters, did you, John? No, I did not. Yeah. I, you know, I coming up on the weekend when it was coming out, I wanted to, and right. I had it, I had it earmarked as like, oh, because I had the week before managed to see a few movies in theaters. But I, so right. I was like, oh, bros is one of those, t- those two or three movies that I want to see for our next episode. And then I wasn't able to see any movies that week because of a bunch of stuff that came up. So it was a bad coincidence on my end that I didn't go see it in the theaters. Right, right. But, but I mean, I had both because I was trying to see movies for this show and because this movie seemed like one of those that you want to support if you can. So right. I feel a little bad that I was one of many people who who probably waited a week too late or something <laughs> to check this movie out. Uh, it, I, I'm sad that it underperformed. Um and I'm sad that that seems to say something that I'm not sure it really says. I think there might be a lot of factors working against this movie having mm. a huge box office bow. But I, right, I, right. I think it's a little unfortunate that it, you know, whatever. I hope the market doesn't, I hope the studios don't learn the wrong lesson from the performance of this movie uh, in theaters. Because it doesn't seem like a fair test for for what the movie's trying to do, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, just to clarify real quick, let me just, I just looked this up, this deal. So Universal's deal basically says that they have the ability to put their movies on premium VOD platforms in as little as 17 days. So that's the minimum. But movies that gross at least $50 million when it's opening weekend are required to play exclusively in theaters for 31 days. Mm. So oh, cool. that's that's the window. So, you know, movies like Jurassic World, the, the last one, the Dominion, was a huge hit. But even still, just over a month later... They threw it on VOD and it's, you know, still killing and made a billion dollars worldwide still. But that little thing that they have with this sub 50, they can exercise this right to put these things on digital platforms, which they do a lot. I mean, they, they pretty much uh, most of their releases, even ones that they have um, like distribution deals, movies not that they maybe not mm. have uh, produced themselves, but um, they, they've even come out in that 17 to 31 day window. But yeah, it's just a, it's a really interesting deal, and especially like John was saying, like a, a, you really kind of was I, at least I know we talked about it. We're rooting for this movie to really do well, um, just based off of the word of mouth and people that I know that I had seen it. Um, but yeah, it just completely bombed. What what did you? I guess what did you think of the movie, Ronald? I mean, had you you saw you watched the VOD, right? You didn't see it in theaters either, right? Yeah, I watched okay. I watched it VOD. Um, I think one of the issues that I think that there's a saying that I hear a lot 
from especially people our age is that the internet isn't real. And now that's not true. But, but what it does mean on some level is that sometimes the enthusiasm or the anger, yeah. the extremes, sometimes don't represent the views of the general public. Sure. Right? And sometimes it, it can become this, this kind of sounding board for just people that think like you. And that doesn't mean I'm not I'm not talking about people that are uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. I just mean like like minded humor, like minded ideas about things. And I think that this movie had this buzz that was just among critics, that was just among, um, you know, an exclusive group of people. Now, I, I think one of the problems is that it wasn't marketed particularly well. Um, that's one thing. Uh, but then also, there's a there's a there's an elephant in the room. What if something's trying to break barriers that uh, where the barriers have been broken down already? Or what if you are watching a middle of the road movie and that's mm -hmm. okay? And I that's kind of what I was kind of saying. Like, you know, sometimes we'll talk about movies that have like an all black cast, all all Hispanic uh, or Latinx. And we're just like, it was okay. And I think you should be allowed, marginalized groups should be allowed to have mediocre movies. Oh, no, too. I was, you know, Ronald, you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking like, this is middle of the road, this is mid, and yeah, or, or at least, road. or this is boilerplate. It's not, but, but that it's like, why aren't there 50 middle of the road gay romantic comedies? You know, like what, Man. why doesn't that exist? And what you just said about whenever we want to kind of appreciate a movie because of breaking barriers. No, I, I love that you said it that way because I had the exact same thought of like, this should be, yeah. this should be more common. This, that doesn't mean this movie, and I do think this movie maybe tried, what you said is great, that it tried to break down barriers that maybe had already been broken down, but it's a mainstream middle of the road idea that it hasn't been that accessible or it hasn't been that middle of the road before. Um, this movie does mask yes onto like the the rom-com template in a way that is very accessible or should be accessible mm -hmm. but but the, yeah the fact that it's not the greatest movie in the world shouldn't dirty the argument yeah i enjoyed it that's the thing like i enjoyed it but i also have like i think what's happening especially with like all this the streaming services we can watch a eight to ten episode comedy about a gay a gay protagonist who and the cast is amazing mm -hmm. and you know i mean this this is happening right now and has been happening for the last couple of years we've talked about a, a couple of shows i kept thinking um, about the other love two. victor all the other two yes yes i mean there's, oh, i mean there's he's, he's bisexual I, on that show but it's the same idea of like the sex yeah. life is depicted in a way that's very frank and that you just haven't seen depicted yes. And that's a very funny, edgy comedy, which this movie is yeah. not. I mean, again, I, we're not we're not trying to take away points for not being edgy, but I, I think we're on the same page that it's like it's it's going for yeah. some kind of familiar rom com quality. Yeah, it's going it's going yeah. in that lane that like seventy five percent of the rom coms are. Yeah, like it, it, yes. it's going in that kind of like this was good. I had a I had a few really good laughs. Yeah, and, a, it's, and it's sweet. Time. Like you know, it's very good sweet performances. Yeah, it's just like it's it's what. And I think the argument to be made and, and, you know, he's kind of come under some criticism for how he's responded maybe to the underperformance, but like, you know, just this idea that like, you know, these, these just, just go more than, I don't know. I would say it's more than okay. Personally. Like, I think it's better than okay, but like, it's, it's not like an amazing rom-com, but I mean, that's the reality though. Like 
you could probably name 10 to 15 amazing rom-coms for the past like four, 30, 40 years, you know, that are legitimately in that echelon, you know, tier. But like, yeah, the, the, most of the rom-coms that exist, all the 90s and early all, it's like, they were just okay, but they'd make a hundred million dollars because people went and saw rom coms yes. still. Well, it was the star you know, power. People, it was Matthew McConaughey saw. and Kate Hudson, sure. or it was yeah. whatever, yeah. Like, or Julia Roberts or yeah. Hugh Grant, like all these people. Yeah. Like that's what they went to see. So there's like this shift of like it's not so much the genre only that they were going to see; it's the stars. Yeah. So here's a here's a rom com that really doesn't have any stars. I mean, Art Billy Eichner is the closest to one, maybe in the movie, but like yeah. he's definitely not a star. Like he has. You know, no kind of box office uh, history or kind of, you know, pedigree or anything like that. So, like, I think that's kind of what you're you're definitely right, Ronald. And that's something I was thinking about, too, is that, like, you know, the existing like what you see and feel on like film Twitter and especially the bubbles that we create for ourselves when we follow X, Y and Z on film Twitter. You know, yeah. we, we kind of see like that this is going to be some massive thing. And it's like when it hits just the average moviegoer, especially when you talk about comedies, and this is the saddest part, is that it seems like comedies don't really have a place theatrically anymore. And <laughs> you know, and you'll and you'll Man. see that because this will come out on VOD, yeah. and I think this movie will do much better on VOD. Go do and, so well. And most of the better comedies slash rom coms that we've talked about on this show in the last, not only because of the pandemic, obviously because past few years have been greatly affected by that but even in the years yeah. prior we saw some great comedies in theaters that nobody went to see like massive yeah. underperforming with with movie stars yeah with seth rogan yeah. with Charlize theron you know that was one of my favorite movies of that year and nobody saw it and i think yes. that it's just like a question of like people pay for all these streaming services at home or they have the ability a week and a half later two weeks later to watch it at home are they going to pay to go to a theater to see a comedy? Is that where they want that theatrical experience with a comedy? I don't, yeah. I don't know that it is anymore. Yeah. I said something to Aaron that has been kind of sitting in my head pretty much since I saw it. This movie may age really well. And PVOD and stuff like that is where this thing's going to live. And then when it goes to like, when it hits Netflix, when it hits Hulu, I think it's going to do really well. And, you know, it being kind of it's, it's it is the most accessible of the here's the problem. Here's another problem, too. I don't know if everybody even 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 people in the same demo. I don't necessarily know if people always want a white dude to present this to them, even white people. I don't know if this is the story necessarily that they want to get from this person. It has to be extraordinary. You get what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I'm they present, they present, present that in the movie, and Billy Eichner is clearly making that joke about himself. And I think it's what, an inside the, joke inside of a right. Joke. And the way they try to the way they try to balance that in the movie, I think, is by that committee he's on for the museum, where you have so much different representation of of different. I love different that. Folks. I love those. And, scenes. and I think that, like, I think that in those moments is when they manage to make that sort of 
quote unquote agenda funny of like let's represent this movie's trying to be representational yes, in yeah. a way yes. i felt like there were moments where the movie got kind of preachy or a, in, in both the romantic storyline and in the kind of uh you know messagey plot line there were moments where it got kind of preachy or kind of cheesy to me um but i think that's part of that sort of reaching out accessibility that it spells out what it's trying to do very very clearly yeah. but i think you're right ronald the, the movie does he does refer to himself as a cis white gay guy um, and as a cis yeah. white straight guy who sometimes feels the need to say that, like before I open my mouth, I know no one wants to hear from, from a cis, from a middle-aged white cishet suburban dad. I know that nobody wants to hear, hear from this guy, but I have to say something right now. But I mean, I feel like this movie does, like he says that a few times. So they're, they're definitely thinking about that. Yeah. But maybe in a sense, like what you're saying is like it might age well, but it also has a little bit of a timestamp on it because mm. even though this movie's breaking some 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 molds, the default setting is still put a white guy at the center of or a white person. You know, yeah. in a sense, if this was a romantic yeah. comedy, this might be the he's really playing what might be the Meg Ryan role or the Julia Roberts role. He's the sort of main character romantic who needs to meet somebody. Anyway, um, uh, what did you guys think of the? I forget the actor who played him, but uh, the the romantic lead, the the other guy. I mean, Billy Billy Eichner is a comic persona that we know. I happen to find him yeah. very funny in small doses and very likable when he goes on like a podcast or something. Like I think he's smart yeah. and funny, and his references move really fast. And some of that comes over to this movie. It's got a when it doesn't feel kind of stilted, his performance. He's not quite a leading man, but he does a, a great job. Overall, I think with his performance in this movie, there's just a few moments where it feels a little, a little like, oh, this is scripted, and he's 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 playing a character more than he's just doing himself. And I think he's at his best when he's yeah. going to be himself. But I thought he was really funny on Parks and Rec, and I think Billy on the Street. If you watch it again, if you watch a segment, so, so good, often, man. it's so funny. And again, that's a comic persona that he's invented for himself. So I I feel like the other maybe that's the other elephant in the room is. Uh, He's he's a strong comic persona if you're trying to hang your your mainstream romantic comedy on it. Like he's a bit to take. Some people might have thought I don't know if I could take 2 hours of Billy Eichner uh before going into this movie. So it's a little bit it's not quite Pee-wee Herman, but it's a, you know, it's close to it. <laughs> of just like this is an extreme persona. But I I think it was I thought it was cool seeing how he balanced off of a a more traditional kind of romantic comedy character which was the the boyfriend what did you guys think of the the other fella <clears throat> oh i liked him a lot i mean I, I actually remembered him from uh brothers and sisters okay um but uh, apparently he hasn't i mean he does he does a ton of hallmark movies when i showed my mom the trailer she recognized him from like hallmark <laughs> which they make jokes really? about which yeah, they Hall make Hart. jokes about in yeah. yeah in in bros which i thought was great actually but yeah he's in a bunch of the hallmark movies um but I really liked him, Luke Luke McFarlane. Um, Luke McFarlane, that's the actor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, that that what you just basically said, John, in the sense that Aaron and Bobby, like that they could be that much apart in terms of their personalities and just their interests in life and, you know, physically, you know, just everything about them was just like the most extreme opposites attract scenario that you would see in any kind of rom-com. Um, but in general, like I thought his performance was really good and, you know, their chemistry together was really good, especially kind of when you get into the uh, like the part of the film where you have the the conflict, I feel like towards the end of the film. And, and you, if you look at that standard rom-com equation where where you get to the or won't they part of the story, <laughs> like I felt like that part of the story for them is really like where their chemistry and, and probably and, and their performances in general, uh, respectively um, and together. 
I thought really kind of gelled the best. Yeah, um, you because, know, because that's where you really got to see the other side of the characters that they were both playing uh, kind of against what you saw for the first, you know, half, two thirds of the movie. Um, but yeah, they I thought they were really good together, especially <clears throat> especially Luke, Luke McFarlane, who most people I think don't know. Well, you know, I was just going to interject there, Steve, like that's a that's a moment that a lot of romantic comedies really fumble is the yeah. why, why is there a problem but i wasn't yeah. even thinking about what you just said this movie it felt so organic that what they might want from a relationship would just be different yeah. and i honestly i didn't even think about how well they handled that transition that it went from they were kind, maybe because this movie gives you this there and again this might be some of the sort of um uh, dating culture that they're trying to depict and how it's kind of different. But there's a lot of jokes made about short-term relationships and how, how it's not expected to last very long. And it is a little right. bit like they went from, well, we're not really dating, are we? To kind of dating without saying they are, to then like their personality clash kind of pushing them away. So I felt right. like you're right. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a real plus of the way this movie works. That is That part didn't feel stilted at all. It really felt like, oh, this these are two people who seem to be noticing that they're not gelling. And right. not this whole thing of like, you know, there's not like a misunderstanding or some super plot contrivance that they have to weed their way through to figure out. There's not like a lie that one of them's been telling that that blew up at a dinner party. You know, so often in rom-coms, it's much more contrived than what they were facing, which was just, are we the right fit for each other? You know, right, right. What did you think of the romance and the the, the ingenue of this movie, the the Luke McFarlane? Um, Ronald? As a as a guy that has a a really close friend that's a mask presenting gay man. Uh, it's it's a heavy duty thing that's kind of subtly played in this movie that I don't, I, that's the kind of unique thing I saw in this movie. The idea that like there's spectrums to gayness as uh, with men and um, uh, you know, without going into too much detail, you know, sometimes when somebody's like kind of more masculine presenting, the conflict to not want to be like stereotypes of gay people can be very hard. You know, you don't want to mm -hmm. lean into that. Maybe, maybe they don't feel like that's a part of their identity because it's a spectrum. You know, when people say that, you know, sexuality is a spectrum, it truly is, you know? And so seeing this conflict that this man had in his head where he's like, you know, I'm gay, but like this, whatever this, this idea is, I don't know if I'm falling into it. I don't know if I want to be it. And seeing him physically get kind of like, I love how this feels, but I don't want to do this necessarily because of all the things that are stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. So that conflict was cool. I thought he was really, really good at that. And you're right. Him and Billy's chemistry on screen was just unreal. Like, I, that's the one part, like I said, that'll leave this thing kind of timeless in that way. Like, I think if you go back to see this in a couple of years, Sure, some of the jokes might be a little, you know, uh, where they stand up, but I really do like the chemistry between them, and that stuff holds up. And I think that, like I said, when this gets gets to more eyes, this may be some people's first gay rom-com or gay story that they've ever taken in. And sure, it gets a little, you know, implied graphic stuff is happening, but it, it really is just a story of, of, of two people that have, very different and finding love in a hopeless place in the words of rihanna uh so um i i think it's really cool man and that's that's the cool part about mediocre movies <laughs> you know like it, it could just sit somewhere somebody's this is what's gonna happen man i, I promise 
it's going to be like one of those Rotten Tomato episodes where they're like, maybe we need the second thing. You know, like maybe this should have gotten more attention. Bro should have got more attention. And in like two years, there's going to be a think piece about how good this movie is and how we should have <laughs> supported it. How we're all assholes and we should be thanking Billy for making a movie this this kind of middle of the road, but fun and accessible. And, you know, so it's 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 also weird, though, like it's very preachy. It Like you said, like the preachy part about it is what makes it so like, I don't know if I would sell this, sell somebody on this because it's so like it kind of steers kind of along the lines of paragraphs that i've read on twitter <laughs> right and that's like, where you think he's trying movie... to educate an audience or something right and maybe yes. and again there's yes. certainly people that need this education we, sh we shouldn't we shouldn't assume that they aren't but it does feel like that that's a way that is a way in which it does mark itself as feeling like oh this is for that mass audience not for the audience that it's already even slightly in the know about some of these issues and i'm not saying that i'm in the know about all these issues but there wasn't a lot about this movie that 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 shocked or impressed or was like new information to me i still felt like seeing it presented in this likable form was was a fun watch and again if you yeah. like romantic comedies you know it comes down to the charm of the people in it and this movie has a a real sweet romance and there's some moments that really are just sweet it kind of reminded me of um you know in terms of the way that it's presenting a gay romance is uh the romance uh, of dan levy's character on schitt's creek which this movie makes a few jokes about but in the end, this movie basically pulls a Shit's Creek where there's a certain amount of corn that you're having to accept. And it's like, I'm like, oh, I, I guess, again, I'm like, you know, I didn't know it. I didn't know that gay people were corny too, but I love it. it, it, it they've got to be. Yeah, but you, you, that's the we, thing. Like, we that's all get to get corny. We all get to get corny. The, those those, those rom-coms that are just like, you know, just, I personally say this is better than mediocre. Like, I, I, I think it's a very good rom-com personally. Oh, yeah. Above, I, I think it's above, it's ab average. Ab above average, but I don't think above it's like average, some amazing sure. thing. Right. But I right. will say that, that, that like, that's all I was saying. The, the, the real, the real get that you can take from this is kind of what we've been saying about, you know, the sweet moments and the kind of what makes it work is this chemistry. Ultimately it's just like, if you really want these two people to be together and like, I don't think you can watch this movie and not want them to be together. Right. Personally, like right. by the end of the movie, you're just really hoping like you are in every rom-com, even though the ending is kind of sometimes predetermined and you know where it's going to go. But there's like a a, a, yeah. a a shred of doubt that maybe they're not. And you're just like, man, I really hope they do. And, and that's really I experienced that watching it. And I feel yeah. like it's just a really sweet love story, you know, that you want to see them. You, you want to see it work out for both of them because they both need this. And it's and they're better for it. And I really just think that that's what it's successful at. Um, and I also just found it to be really funny. Um, and I really like the uh, the song he sings for him at the museum opening to the Garth to the Garth Brooks tune. Uh, I thought that was very funny. And uh, yeah, I, if you if you if you had any interest, I will say I feel like the title for the movie is very bad. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I don't know what the alternative is. But I feel like there's got to be a better touch. And I think that may have been what kind of hurt this movie a little bit beyond the marketing of it, like Ronald was saying. But I feel like Bros is not a good title for a movie. Well, they're going through, um, for that Apatovian simplicity with that title, yes, but it feels yeah. like they're reaching for an audience that this movie was not going to hit. And so I even had that thought today, Steve, like yeah. when I was like looking up for facts about the movie before this conversation, I, I, I was like, like was oh. there an alt? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Bros is the name. I had to like type it in and be like, that's the name of that. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, it is an odd thing. I did want to throw back. There's one thing that happens in one of those museum committee meetings that to me was a very funny moment. It's the only thing I really wrote down um, uh, uh, is when when he's apologizing to the committee after a scene that he causes in the museum, and then uh, the one person says, uh, "This live apology has 40k views right now," <laughs> and then he he looks at her and he says, "Everything should be posted. Thank you for teaching me that." <laughs> <laughs> That was really good. Man. Well, he starts to get mad. He's like, what are you? And then she's like, yeah. And then he's like, everything should be toasted, posted. Thank you for teaching me that. And it just, <laughs> that was such a, was such a funny little moment. Yeah, no, I great. think that we're all sort so, of, yeah, I, I, we've been saying mediocre, but I kind of agree with Steve. Like for a, for, to me, what's above yeah, mediocre um, is those great romantic, romantic comedies that you were talking yeah. about, Steve, those yes. super great ones. So if this is watchable, this is fun. I watched this movie alone to prep mm. for this show, but I did find myself thinking, oh, I should have, you know, Nikki, it, this is the kind of movie that is fun to watch in with a group and you can laugh and enjoy yeah. the enjoy yeah. it and it, again we've seen this movie before but in some ways that's the point and i think that's that's the thing it's like you shouldn't treat it like homework or taking vitamins or anything like that it's just a good movie um and i do agree with you steve mm. i think this movie will find an audience uh on streaming that i mean maybe it will redeem the story of this movie but i yeah. do think the sadder larger story is is those movies that are i mean we've heard about those mid-budget movies of all sorts that are disappearing from like studios schedules because they can't make money off of them and yeah, yeah. if now mid-budget or big budget studio comedies uh or are are just not viable it's i mean it's a bummer when you think about how many great movies from the past hit we're in that slot of like a silly movie that they just put way too much money into it you know and it made it some kind of great thing uh yep. so i don't know <clears throat> we'll have to see what happens with that? Oh, by the way, uh, we didn't get a selection for for uh, required viewing next time. Oh yeah, Ronald. Oh, is this this my this is mine? Yes. So, are we? Would you like to see something on the serious side or more on the light side? I guess that's because I have two, and it's going to be based on how you two feel about that. Because it's they're both Did, Halloween related movies. I think because I just, it's the month of that we're in, I guess I would say. A, I, this is your chance to make me watch a Saw movie, so I, I, I'd be surprised if you didn't take it. <laughs> but but B, um, I think whatever you think feels like the more the, 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 feels like the more Halloween selection. You know, whatever feels more on point okay. for the for the month to you is what I would say. All right, what do you think, um, Steve? So I agree. All right. Steve agrees. All right. So this selection I haven't seen probably since the '90s, um, so I don't have any recollection of anything but one scene that shook me to my core when I was a kid. So I was a big fan of like Nightmare Theater and all that stuff. And I remember a scene that I will never forget. And every time I go to a funeral, I think about it. A man's in a casket, the funeral's happening. They zoom into the casket and the man is crying mm. because his body is in stasis. Because he's, he, he's, he's still, he, nobody knows he's alive. The Serpent and the Rainbow, Wes Craven's ah. I think it's 1988 film. What a, what a choice. I haven't seen it in a really long Man, time. Bill Pullman. I yeah. seldom hear people. I really don't hear people talk about it. The Serpent and the Rainbow, I want to give it some love. Uh, let's do uh, it. Because I also don't remember the plot of it all at all. But yeah, Wes Craven. <laughs> It's I one of those. It's, 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 one, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a voodoo, like a, but like a whatever, modern... Okay you know, real world's quote unquote, I think it's supposed to be based on a, on a yeah. true story, but the movie's not attempting to be necessarily. Yeah, they like fi fictionalized it and all that stuff. Yeah. That movie, it, I think about it a lot, man. Like I, I like fucking scared me so bad. Like, 
every time I'm at a, a funeral, I'm like, is that person really dead? Are they crying in there? This is weird because it's. When I was a kid, that yeah. scared me more than anything. The idea of being buried alive, even it's... though everyone told me it really can't happen the way we do it now. And I was like, you don't know that. <laughs> You don't know. That's, that sounds like a lie. I thought I could survive being <laughs> yeah. embalmed, you know, embalmed in the, you know, <laughs> right. all that stuff. But no, no, that's a great. So the, that's the fun. Serpent I'm, and the rainbow. Good. Okay. Good. I, I haven't seen that since cool. college myself. So, so I'll yeah. Be, okay. Cool. It. So I haven't seen it since the other nineties. Yeah, like oh, it, it was Nightmare in eighty eight. So I was probably early. Yeah, I probably saw it on like Creature Day or something. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, wow. Okay. So if you want to, cool. if you want to watch it, picked... if you want to watch it before the episode, that's on Peacock. Oh, it's if on Peacock. If you want to oh. stream it? Yeah. Cool. And uh, so I picked a very streaming friendly movie. Yes. Yes. And also on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, transition. Transition. Yes, yes, transition. Yes, yes. Uh, is Halloween ends? Um. Mm. And how do we feel about Halloween ends? Um, I think, I mean, I like, I liked a lot of it. I think that the last act gets super messy. Uh, and I think it's got some cool moments and it's got some stuff that didn't work for me. That's in the last act, but I think the attempt to do something a little different and track this different character and show a different side of things. I was on board with like how much this was a, like this trilogy gave us the, the first one which was the sort of return to a Halloween movie, make a Michael Myers movie, you know? The second one was, had had a little bit more of a take creeping into it. And I think most people would agree the part of Halloween kills that really doesn't work. Even people like myself who mm. like some of the Michael kills in that, the, it's all, it's the commentary. It's the, it's the mob stuff. It's the, it's the yeah, movie's the, idea. The town mob, it's yeah. the take that didn't really click, you know? And then I think ends is similar with people. I see it being very divisive. I mean, I see it out there. I see people's reactions to it, but I see enough people that enjoyed it enough like I did that I can tell that it's not like this universally reviled thing they tried to do, but they kind of pulled what Halloween did with Season of the Witch in a different way, which is sidestepping the idea of what a Halloween movie is. This is not a very good Michael Myers movie. Um, if you wanted this to be the final big hurrah for Michael Myers, this is not the movie that you wanted. But if you wanted to see kind of just a well-made movie with a creepy story that's got Michael Myers in it and is kind of trying to do something a little different, I think this movie works until it starts to get too confused like as to what its intention is. Like It seems to be setting up this perfect idea of like, oh, now Michael Myers has like an apprentice with him or something, you know? Uh, okay, but it doesn't do that. It 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 doesn't stick. Even once it sets that idea up, it doesn't do anything with that idea. <laughs> it just kind of moves past it. And then I think it's got some stuff that maybe if we were talking super spoilery, I would go down my 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 real list of complaints are very specific moments. But but you know, I, I I was I was enjoying the fact that I had no idea what the fuck I was watching for like the first forty five minutes or so. And then I think it started as it started to kind of reveal what it was. It lost me in 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 different ways. Um, but yeah, that's my take on it. I feel like this is, I don't know. I feel like this is right alongside kills for me as like a movie that's got some cool stuff in it and some stuff that just, I don't think works. Um, 
it's accidentally making the eight, 2018 Halloween, which I was sort of lukewarm on. It's making it seem like oh, it's the obvious <laughs> o- overall success of this of this trilogy. And I don't I don't mean that as a huge knock yeah. on it. Like I like I like what they were able to do. I think this is cool. I don't want someone to be given quite this arrangement again with a Halloween movie. You know, like a trilogy, uh, whatever whatever the plan was. I don't feel like there was that. It's it's a little bit like looking at the Star Wars sequel trilogy, where you look back at the end and you go, this doesn't feel like a trilogy. <laughs> this doesn't feel like right. a plan. Um, right. But I don't know. Like I said, I think I had some really cool moments and some stuff that I would really argue for the, the, the effectiveness of. So I can't I can't hate on this movie, but I can say it's a very weird uh, kind of mishmash. Somebody else talk. <clears throat> Steve, I want you to go next. Yeah, I, I in most in most uh, in almost every point, I would have to disagree. I, I feel like this movie is a huge missed opportunity. I feel like this whole trilogy now that I've seen how it ends uh, is a huge missed opportunity. Um, you know, I, I can, I can respect like having a take and trying to, trying to do something different with the, with the trilogy. Um, but yeah, I guess the star Wars thing you just mentioned does feel pretty appropriate because I feel like kind of going for that in the third of the three movies um, is probably not, and I, I wouldn't say that's a good approach. Uh, especially when the take of the, you know, the, the mob mentality in the second one, and you can kind of, you know, see the remnants of that on the town and this one, which I think that, that, that's kind of works and that's kind of interesting. Um, but where this movie goes in terms of like, you know, him having a helper of sorts, I, I think it's, it's kind of laughable at times in the movie. And I think the script really fails everybody on board here. Uh, to think that this is like Jamie Lee's last Halloween movie is very depressing to me, with the exception of like the last scene that she has with Michael in the house. Uh, I, I would say I, I actually really liked all of that. I did, too. Um, I, I, that was like one of my favorite things was how she yeah. just utterly like her. This, she's really going for it in this fight. And and as far as yeah. that ends in the title, they, they do try to earn it, you know, with what happens. And that, and, that, and that does like that, that, that right there works. And there's some other scenes in the movie that I really like. I love the cold open. I thought that was great. And I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit, this movie is going to be awesome. Like, what is this going? What is this doing? And then when you kind of get into it and yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I'm trying to be a little vague in what I'm saying here, but some of the scenes and some of the dialogue when uh, this tag team is spending time together uh, in, in terms of dynamics, uh, in, in terms of what Michael Myers is doing in certain scenes just seems very um out of sync with what Michael Myers has been doing in any timeline of Halloween that you want to pick, whether it's this one, you know, that this is branching off of from the first or the, you know, Halloween one, two H2O resurrection timeline, or if you want to go, you know, four, five, six, whatever one you pick, I just feel like some of the stuff with Michael Myers in this movie just doesn't work for me. Um, I really wanted to like it. I was trying to, you know, make excuses as I was watching it and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I'm into this. I kind of feel the same way about kills, like where I, I would definitely watch it again, just because I feel like it's still kind of entertaining. You know, it's still kind of a fun quote unquote watch, but it, in, in, in almost in like a negative way though. And I felt the same way about kills. Like, it's just like, I'm looking at all the things I don't like about it, but just really wanting to see some cool kill scenes to see a really good uh, scene with Laurie and Michael towards the end of the film. Um, and the, you know, the character of Corey, who's like the newly introduced character in this movie, 
I actually think the actor who plays him really did a great job. Like, I actually think the performance is really good. Um, it's, it's just the script. story. The story and the script just could. It's just I, I'm I'm I don't know. Yeah, th there's a lot of issues with the script, and um, some of his lines of dialogue, especially the most in every scene he's in with uh, Laurie Strode, is just laugh. Some of it's laughable to me. Um, but I think in all and for all accounts and purposes, like I think in general, this is a pretty, pretty big failure um, to me. And I think, you know, the box office being the lowest of the three, even with the day and date, you know, Kills had the day and date in a, in a worse time of the pandemic and, and did really, really well still. You know, the critical reception is not great. The audience score is the lowest of, of the Halloween films. Yeah. You know, it's just it just seems like something is missed, got got missed. And I felt concerned going into the marketing for the movie, to the screening program for the movie, to the press being done for the movie. Like nobody beyond Jamie talking about this being her last Halloween movie is really all you got to see, which is really about her and less about the movie. And that's like a bad sign. And unfortunately, I feel like those concerns really kind of played out when I watched the movie. Um, yeah, definitely, a, definitely a big letdown for me. Ronald, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I agree with both of you. I have, I have mixed feelings. Like on one end, I do like they, that they took a bunch of uh, swings, uh, crazy swings, crazy swings. Um, I think here's another here's another take. I think I would have felt different about this trilogy if these movies were spread out a little more. Like if I had a little time, time to breathe wise? in between okay, okay, okay. time wise, like if if Halloween came out gave me five years to breathe and the next one came out and then and you know even with the same plot i think i'd feel a lot different about them but the fact that they're coming at me rapid fire you better come with some extreme heat if you're gonna follow up within you know it's only been four years we should have these should have been incredible why are you rushing these things you get you get you get get what i'm saying the exchange should have yeah. been if, if you're releasing all these in three in four years they should be incredible or you pace out the shit for 15, 10, 10 years, seven years. Let's say seven years, right? So that's that's my first thing. I feel about this trilogy the way that I felt about Man of Steel into any other depiction of Superman. <laughs> like, Man of Steel was a pretty amazing movie that aged pretty well to me, right? But it seemed like after a point, he was like, Superman is a bitch. I don't know when that happened. I don't know when there was a decision made. He's just like, I don't like him. He's a piece of shit. I'm going to treat him like a piece of shit. Nobody's going to like him. I, he isn't going to be depicted in any good. Like, he isn't going to be a hero anymore. People are afraid of him. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, are right. afraid. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it feels like they almost, I think that there was this remnants of a good idea for the first one kills i was like okay this is crazy but let's see what happens and then it confirmed it in the third one i think you hate this character you don't like this character you 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 don't like it for the reasons that made it popular right so you your new take is just uprooting the shit that people love about him the shape you know the daunting things and then you made him a stooge you made him a stooge that's fumbling on the ground as this guy's like jumping on top of him, shaking him up. Yes. And, 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 and 
Michael Myers is doing nothing. I mean, he's doing he's doing nothing to him. He's like, <laughs> he's like this stooge. And and I hated that that happened. See, I'm you're okay. making you're making me smile because even though I thought that one part, <laughs> that would be a part that I was like, does this not break the rules of a Halloween movie that anybody can get the drop on Michael? Like, does that right, not break right, the rules? Right, right. However, I like the fact that this movie depicted. I mean, I, I guess I would. This is one of those points I would argue on. I think it's cool that we got to I see mean, one of these movies where Michael is like a sixty-five-year-old man who's been through some shit. And he can't move that good. And he's, he's like a little bit out of practice. I'm fine with, we've got 13, 14 movies, whatever it's going to be. I'm fine if one of them is this different treatment where he's almost like an urban legend living in a tunnel. What I think is weird yeah. is what you said earlier, Steve, that this is not how, like, this is not Halloween ends. Halloween ends should should be a Michael Myers, or at least the way that title makes yes, you feel. Yeah. Yes. This, this feels like it should be... Uh, after that, the new beginning, or 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 like an offshoot or something. I think that I can see why people are disappointed with that aspect of it. But I do think that it's like we've gotten it before, where it goes a different way. So even though I was like, "Can you do that? Are you allowed to have a character just like come up and knock Michael around?" Like that didn't sit well with me. But I did enjoy that Michael, especially if we see him with his mask off. He's been he's just been through it like there's just he's a, he looks like a walking scar, you know, and so I, I'm fine with the idea that he's kind of lost a step. But I do think that all the stuff you guys are talking about that is the shakiest stuff is all those interactions that seem to indicate like, why is Michael treating this person differently than he's treated other people? That to me is, right. a, is an interesting question. It's made me think about who has he sort of let live, so to speak. The baby in the crib, uh, L Lori's granddaughter. Um, Lonnie in this series and this guy, like there are people who have been in front of Michael and Michael has decided not to kill them. I think it's right. an interesting question. Why does he let somebody live? That to me, that's, that's intriguing. I don't think the movie really does anything with the coolness of right. that. And what they present is what you guys are talking about, which is the absolute shakiest part of the movie, which is the sort of interplay between those two characters when they're, I think there's a, there's a kill scene where it works well, I think, but the stuff that's like supposed to be describing like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's too vague. And it's not clear whether we're in, supposed to believe there's some supernatural shit going on or whether whether it's all psychological. It's just, it's messy. And I, 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 I'm kind of with you on the script, Steve, even though I enjoyed parts of it. I think it's weird that these guys wrote this thing that's so wobbly uh, in terms of how it's structured, in terms of what yeah. the story is that it's telling. It's really weird. It feels like it also maybe like, I don't, and I don't know the, uh, you know, the history of the production, but like, it also feels like the movie is very kind of broken apart at times. Like there's a lot of scenes in the middle of the movie. Um, I'm, yeah, again, I'm trying to just talk. I think I know what spoiler. you mean. Where a scene goes spoiler. to the next scene and you're not feeling a real, yeah, like when like is this happening? Is yes, this the next day? Yes, is this the same yes. night? Yeah, no, I, th exactly. I agree. I agree. Specifically like, you know, between like a, the, this newer character, like where he is in one scene and the next scene he's with someone else. Yeah. Makes no sense. At, like a house. And it's like, what was the transitional time there? Like there's no sense of a time, you know, until the, until the card comes up saying it's Halloween, like everything before that, you're just like, well, how much time was between these two scenes? Right. And oh, yeah, I, it also kind of, it's very, I don't know. It just felt very oh, sloppy. Yeah, so messy. Can I make another complaint, man? No. Look, okay. When you watch the movie in the 80s or the 70s, a bully was a bully. It was a person <laughs> that was daunting, that was scary. I used to get bullied when I was a kid. And if these kids came up to me 
and said anything to me, I would have fought all of them. You would have knocked them down or thrown them off the bridge before they got you. There's no fucking way that I let those kids talk to me crazy. That's that. That and why, and why does he have um? Why does he have a varsity jacket on? Like that's like the that's like that's like standard is- issue for bullies. I, I want to know why this guy. I can I I don't. I'm not saying I understand bullies in a way that's positive, but I can imagine the psychology, the upbringing that produces the kid who's like the main bully, the kid who's like, yeah, well, fuck you or whatever. I can imagine like what's going on in the mind of that person. Like that's terrible, and that person needs help, and they probably have a bad upbringing. But I can picture that. I don't know how you end up being the guy standing like two feet behind that guy, going, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where these bullies find their henchmen. You know, being a so soul bully, it's like okay, that's like a, that's an organism I get. And you're right, right. It's the most stereotypical depiction of like a group of kids and they don't seem like he seems like he should be able to beat them like he's like older than yeah. them he's he's like thicker than them yeah he's scrappy he's, yeah he's in shape i'm like what he can what take out I michael myers here? but like, he can't take out he can't that's take the key out right there teenagers yeah. i'm just <laughs> until he gets them, mad make them spoilers <laughs> make them bullies like you know those kids that they have in like 80s movies when they were like scary driving around in a convertible there's um there's a comment i saw where someone's like what does david gordon green have against marching band uh members because apparently like (laughs) all of the like asshole teens in this trilogy like there's at least one of them in the group who's like in the marching band like one of the i think one or two of them in this Mm -hmm. group the four has like a marching band jacket on and like they're talking about crazy uh i don't know like, what bully I, where would I, I, they, where would these people be bullies if you want to watch this this is, this is a watch at peacock for me yeah. unless you just want one last for now theatrical experience with halloween um you know i feel like i think i've said this on the podcast before i know i've said it to a couple people this last week talking about this movie but like what kills me is that like i liked the halloween that came out in 2018 i didn't love it yeah but i did think that it had like the best ending if they were going to have a movie to give Laurie Strode and three generations of her uh, of her family a moment with Michael Myers, like what kills me is now seeing how this this trilogy ended versus how that film ended. Yeah. And like that feels like the biggest missed opportunity to say that was our take. That was how we wanted to have Laurie go out. And I just remember feeling like how the movie was good. Not great. But the ending was awesome. Yeah. And it felt like just the right that, kind of ending. And just that like twist of them actually being prepared and having a plan and like being in cahoots of sorts, like with one another and downplaying it, yeah. like the Judy Greer character. I just thought that was great. And so seeing how this ends, even though I did like the moment with Laurie and Michael in the kitchen and everything, I thought that was all really yeah. good. But I could not get out of my mind the idea of like how I felt that 2018 film ended so perfectly. Like they chipped and away at the completeness of that ending. In exactly. The next, the next one and regurgitated ended. some yeah. of the points of it, like yeah. to the point of like, no, it drove Rory me crazy. Like Carrie Bradshaw or something it, at this point. It drove me like, crazy <laughs> that, that, that she and her granddaughter had like the conflict, like, Yes, I, I found their conflict yes. so annoying in this movie. Like when they were yelling at each other, and it's in the last act of the movie. I was like, yeah. How, "Aren't we past this?" I mean, yeah. this whole idea that this is a trilogy that's about examining trauma and processing trauma. It's like I get it that that's where horror movies get their juice is from some of this stuff. But when it's like so textual, it starts to seem kind of annoying to me <laughs> and like yeah. nails on a chalkboard. Totally, and and not like powerful. It should be sublimated into the horror. And I was very annoyed that we were still processing the trauma of what Michael's done 
one. Uh, as in contrast to what you said, Steve, I like the implication that Haddonfield has been kind of fucked up in the last yeah. four years. I felt like that was a creepy idea that they did almost nothing with, but just the fact that there's, you know, like almost like he's infected the town, which might be a little silly, but just this idea that Haddonfield is kind of a rough place. I also will say this. Just like in the second movie, any of the stuff in this movie that involved like a giant mob forming, I found that so cheesy. I thought that was so, so cheesy. Like a, a group of people silently walking out to follow somebody and watch them do something that they can't even see from where they're standing uh, was just a like there. Why are you standing here? Oh, for the shot, because I don't know what's going on and we're not saying anything. I don't know. It, it, I thought that was really, really badly so handled. Weird. But yeah. I loved what was happening that they were there to see. To me, that was one of the things the movie did well was... Let's let's end on a note of there is no coming back from this. You know, I, I think that that there was is, yeah. like the, the, I, I like I, that felt like a Danny McBride move. I know he was one of the writers of this, but that's one of the moves <laughs> that felt like him. It's like, let's 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 make this yeah. a real ending. But yeah, I, yeah, it's it's weird and it's a mixed bag and it's divisive. But kind of what you said, Steve, even if you don't like this, this if you love this series, this might be a movie you could watch one or two times just to. Yeah, for the entertainment value, but it is a little weird that this this trilogy has gone the way it has, and the and the the numbers are bad, like the the like yeah. you said, and and, and that this it's won't hard, even make a hundred million dollars. Like it's hard to imagine a theatrical audience supporting this movie too much, but it's also like I think that being able to watch it at home, like absolutely killed any chance of box office performance and, and it's a weird it's yeah. a weird move but it's like an act of like no confidence almost in the movie um as much as i appreciated being able to see it at home so yeah what what do, you, what do you think is the next move ronald what do you think the like okay a couple years down the road you know they're going to step in someone's going to reboot it I had a few thoughts of like what the likely path might be, but what do you think they're going to do? Like a prequel, a Loomis cable series uh, about his other patients? Like what? What's what's the? How are they going to take this franchise forward? Is it just going to be somebody making a new movie that's also called Halloween that that takes this in? A new yeah, movie? that just ignores everything up to this point. I mean, at this point, I'd rather see a Freddy versus Jason too. Like that's I'd rather that than that. That's the take right there. Is that leave Halloween? Let, let let it Leave sleep it for a while. I mean, for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like like nightmare, nightmare, and Friday are begging for attention, and I think that yeah. it, they're both overdue for some really quality attention. And I have a feeling that Blumhouse has something going on with Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't, I don't know why I feel that. Really, Jason Blum has been tweeting some very vague things. Um, Either Nightmare or Friday, something is uh, he's got something that he's going to announce soon, I feel like. And it's going to be one of those two. But, you know, really, it, it's yeah, like there, there's some speculation. That's that, really cool. I don't know what I don't I, it, it, I, th I think it was Nightmare that they were saying might be the one. But um, yeah, I kind of agree. I just feel like I love Michael Myers. I love Halloween. I love this franchise. Um, I think yeah. this has kind of been a, a, a downturn for it, to be honest. And which is weird. You know, it's very weird, especially because like I feel like I feel more people going back and saying how much they appreciate the zombie Rob Zombie movies post yes. this trilogy, which is not something I expected. And 
Um, well, isn't it similar to Star Wars fans talking about the prequels? For sure. In light for of sure. The sequels, it's, though, it's funny how it's, it's like it's a great comparison. You yeah, can no, now totally. like pick the one you want, and also like Force Awakens ended yeah. on this high that felt like Star Wars is back, baby, and yeah. Halloween 2018 ended on this sort of a high too. It's like yeah. people, people, and you, and and you've been losing that feeling since you know if you're ever since diminishing uh, returns. The, the average 100%. fan has been losing it since. Yeah. So no, yeah, I agree. Let, it, let it sit there. Yeah, leave it alone. Let it leave it alone. There's plenty of other. They're already doing you know other horror reboots and they got stuff in the works but you know we need to I, I i they need to do something with these with these slasher franchises and nightmare and friday they they're they've been dormant for long enough and they need they need some attention so i would love to see yes those those be the focus for a while and and see what they can do with those because those are definitely um worthy of it well, so. steve and ronald but steve you're such a genre guy mm. i'm curious what you what you think of this like i was thinking about friday 13th and nightmare on elm street too i suppose Going forward with them, what does it look like? Because, like, at this point, are you doing a sequel that tries to connect to the previous? Like, you're bringing back Ooh. Robert England because that's what would work, maybe. And you're trying to tie it to the old movies, but it's somehow a new movie. And with Friday the Thirteenth, you've got like a a reboot that was pretty successful. People liked it. Uh, that's like ten years old, ten, twelve years old now. Um, uh, what do you do? Do you, like how how do you take Jason Voorhees, for instance? Do you come up with a whole new movie that once again starts to retell that story? Do you try to connect to the old mythology? Do you just give us it's Camp Crystal Lake and a bunch of people are there and Jason shows up and you don't try to explain how it connects? I think I like the last option best. But what do you think? That's like, it. That's what's the, the one. smart way. You think so? <clears throat> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you need to start over regardless. I you know I don't think I don't see them building off of the the legacy Friday films or or even the most recent remake which. Yeah, I really like the remake a lot. Yeah. Um, and it they was a great successful. Jason. I love Derek yeah. Mears as so the, good. The so good. Character. Um, but yeah, that that's a cool take. I feel like maybe, yeah, it's just kind of more around Cam Crystal Lake. And then that's kind of the that's the introduction. That's the launch of the franchise, is just that slasher. Nightmare is a little different. I don't really know because you know, the 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 remake that Platinum News that Platinum Dunes did for it, I thought was horrible. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you could probably just forget that that happened and you could try to just do a straight horrific. Yeah. Like a straight reboot of it. I don't know how you Mm. would get Robert England involved. I mean, he's the most, uh, you know, kind of tied and iconic for the character. I would, I would love to see it. Um, Maybe but he does the voice I, or something. I don't know. I'm just maybe, thinking maybe like the voice. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm just know. feeling like one of the failures of the remake was that I don't think anybody has in their mind replaced Robert England with Jackie Earl Absolutely Haley, and that's not. a tall yeah. order. More so than who's going to be Jason, who's going to be Michael Myers, who's going to play Freddy is a real perform. I mean, it's a you know, it's they've got a face and a voice, and it really matters yeah. to the, the feel of the movie more. Yeah, I, I, that's probably the one I need to see the most personally, just because yeah. I I mean it might be my favorite franchise, but I just think that. Man, I just the the charge out of seeing Robert England as Freddy Krueger again would be top tier for me. Like that would be amazing. I just don't know if he would do it again, want to do it, how long he could do it. You know, he's older and he's still got the voice down, obviously. And um, now he just sounds like that. Yeah, right. It's just natural. Um, But I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the inroad is there because that story is so cool that I just think that, um, and you know, the remakes kind of sort of flirted with it a little bit and had a, a moment where, you know, they kind of toyed with the idea of like, maybe he didn't do the things that he was, that they thought he was doing, you know, like 
that the parents that killed Fred Krueger, like that he was innocent of that stuff. And that would have been an interesting mm. take in terms of his revenge for it all. But um, they, then they just completely sidestepped that and went right back to him being all the bad things that they thought he was. But I don't know. I hope they come up with a cool idea. I've, I've read many, many of uh, rumors like, you know, Elijah Woods company has like a hand in it or a take on it. Yeah. And Mike Flanagan has a take on it. Nick Costa has a take on it. Like uh, all these people, I would love to see whatever they want to do. Cause these are like three, you know, value brands that I would be, you know, I would say, I, I think nightmare would be in good hands for uh, any of them, but I really hope they get nightmare figured out and, uh, and, and, and Friday 13th, but nightmare is the priority. If you ask me, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah. So again, Halloween ends it's on uh peacock and it's in theaters right now. If you want to check it out, um, I'll just go over a couple. And I know, did you see anything else you wanted to mention, Ronald, John? I had a couple one I wanted to just rattle off real quick. I'm good. Uh, just one. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home Extended Edition. It <laughs> oh. just came out on PVOD this week. Um, is it worth investing the money is it for worth PVOD? It? Is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the real question right there yeah <laughs> i would i would flip it and reverse it and rewatch you would. This okay movie okay with okay that's what I was getting. it's no it's not a, ronald it's with, not with digital with digital media you don't have to flip it and reverse it you can just you could just you don't even it's, it's not two sides yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might be you that's might so be doing crazy. a lot more with your gear than you need to be <laughs> <laughs> a little too extra uh but yes yeah, it's, it's the they have a rapper that they've added to this movie that is really interesting i won't give anything away but they really do highlight the students at the school and the uh, employees at the school and that becomes kind of a rapper throughout the the film okay. um, they also extend some of the conversation between the three spider-man so like the scene where they're up on the scaffolding lasts mm-hmm. for a little longer. Uh, so everybody gets a little, some extra lines. So you see like Electro get extra lines and Jamie Foxx is really good. He, he really did redeem himself. It, it felt like the redemption movie for all these characters, man. Not, <laughs> not that they were bad either way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just, it just felt special. I don't know if I'd spend the 15, it's 15, Mm-hmm. I, I, that just feels very pricey right now um so i would maybe rent it and then if you like it then add it to your collection but it you know it's a whole 15 dollars if you want to buy it to rent i think it's like maybe 6.99 or something like that but uh yeah it's it, it's beautiful it's a beautiful movie with a lot of extra stuff um i think the running time is like 238 or something like that i think if they had like 10 more minutes or something uh so it's 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 i think it's worth checking out especially if you like the movie i love them and you remember it like maybe by heart you may you, you you'll be you'll be surprised to see the cool extra things the random jokes by hannibal burris things like that that they have kind of put into this film so, well i you know i don't even remember yeah. it that much by heart i i loved it when i saw it the first time haven't seen it since and have sort of looked back to it repeatedly as like the last marvel movie that felt like a, an event that kind of closed the deal uh yeah. for me Ooh. and for the crowd i was seeing it with you know uh so I, I i have really warm feelings towards that movie uh yeah I, I, 
So I, I might check yeah, it out. That's a special one, man. Thanks for the rec. Steve, you had a couple things you wanted to? Yeah, I just wanted to say I, I finally saw Smile. Definitely wanted to recommend that. Okay. Um, I think you talked about it before, John, briefly. but no, I, it... didn't, I didn't see it. So. Oh, you didn't see it? You, what, were you, what did you see? Oh, you um, saw um, Barbarian. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I haven't seen Barbarian yet, but that comes out next week on HBO Max. Um, nice. But yeah, I finally got to see Smile. I thought it was great. Uh, definitely, that's 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 that, that that that's the one over this season that is like overperforming, holding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's great it's word of mouth too, like a crazy word no of mouth intended. horror hit. Yeah, um, the movie itself is a great word of mouth. Not a perfect movie, not the second coming of horror, but like just a really really great solid horror movie at the right time of year. Great performance, uh, Sosie Bacon, who plays the lead, uh, Kevin Bacon, Kira Sedgwick's daughter, by the way. Um, hmm. She's really good in the movie. And like the movies, oh, again, wow. you know, we just mentioned like, you know, trauma and mining that and horror um, and this idea of this movie kind of being like a mashup of the ring kind of meets it follows. If that sounds interesting to you, um, it does or, or piques your interest and you haven't seen it yet. I definitely recommend go checking it out. You know, you don't need to watch any trailers. You know, it's 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 just a really great, uh, you know, lower budget horror movie that's overperforming and audiences are loving so you know if it's if it looks like it's on your radar see it in theaters while you can the um, opposite it, of halloween ends in yes it is that. really it is a really good watch too with the crowd it's got some good scares it's got some jump scares in it um you know like all of them have but just some really creepy imagery and uh it really kind of goes for it in some of the scenes that it's you know for for a studio our horror film um yeah i really liked it and then if you're looking for something else at home uh, hasn't been mentioned on the podcast yet. If you have Shutter, there's a movie that's on there called Deadstream that um, I wanted to definitely give some love to. It's um, directed by Joseph and Vanessa Winter. I I think I heard about it after it played at Fantastic Fest, but it's it's a found footage uh, kind of horror movie where this internet personality is trying to win back his fan base. He's kind of gone through something with a YouTube type channel where he got canceled, uncanceled, and he's trying to go, he does all these crazy things on his channel, um, challenging his biggest fears. And it's like, some of it's questionable, but the last thing he's trying to do is to go into this haunted house and have a live stream session. Um, with his, with, this. With, oh, you saw it. Okay. Um, yeah, where, I really like this movie. Yeah. Where he's kind of like, you know, uh, he sets out rules for himself. He like removes his car keys and his batteries from his car. So he can't go anywhere. And, you know, he's kind of interacting with his following online and obviously shit goes wrong. And it's just uh, very, uh, if you're a fan of Evil Dead 2, mash that up with a found footage horror movie. And it's this movie. <laughs> um, very funny, very short. It's quick. It's like 80 minutes or something. Um, and I think this filmmaking, uh, their husband and wife, and I think they have a film or one of the segments, or maybe he just acts in it. Um in the, the VHS 99 that's coming out when this podcast drops also on shutter, which hopefully I'll be able to check out soon. But um, Joseph winner is the, the co-director and, and star of the film. And I think he is either directing or starring in a segment from the new VHS film as well. But um, yeah, if you have shutter and if that sounded interesting, found footage horror, you know, kind of like the, the, the humor and the gore gaggy uh, sight gags of evil dead Two. um, yeah, if that sounds fun, this is I had a lot of fun with it. And it's 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 again, it's 80 minutes. It's easy to watch. And it's pretty there's really no fat on it. I mean, it moves quick. So um, I wanted to recommend that as well. 
And then just real one last thing. Um, AMC has the new interview with the vampire series. They launched a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching that and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of loving it so far. Um, it's only three or four episodes uh, into the season, but it's already been renewed for a second season. So if you fan of vampire horror and rice, the film interview with the vampire, any of that stuff, um, definitely want to re- recommend the new series, which is over on AMC. Um, if you're looking for something to watch this uh, Halloween season uh, and you have that platform. Cool. That's where I'm um, at. Maybe we can check that out, Ronald, and we can talk about that next time. Along with, I was just realizing after our next episode or after this weekend, uh, uh, House of the Dragon will have finished its first season and we've just had Rings of Power. So maybe next time we can do a little, we can compare notes on how these uh, fantasy series wrapped up. Okay. Their, their first seasons and we'll be talking about um what's the movie uh that you chose ronald just as a reminder to everybody oh Serpent the rainbow. uh serpent, serpent in the rainbow, in the rainbow yes also movie. man i gotta hit you i gotta hit you with something steve you know what starts this week right gangs of, gangs london, of london season two you know i'm uh, on that you gotta Ooh. you go you gotta subscribe to their podcast too, just to give them a shout out. They have a companion pod for the second season. They have a companion. Don't tell me that. What's the they name do? Of it? It's really good too. Uh, Corin Hardy is like the host of it, and like it's it's great. Um, okay, I'm trying to give give a shout on our own podcast. It's um, Inside Gangs of London. Ooh. They probably refer to movie for movie all the time on their show. Yeah, I'm just trying to pay. You know, I'm just yeah. reciprocating. Well, maybe we could talk about that too. And if anybody manages oh. to see Black Adam, I guess we can talk about that too. But I don't think anybody. I want to see Black Adam so bad. <laughs> I, I can't believe so it's here bad. after all this ridiculous hype. I mean, me either. Not because yeah, I'm like particularly like at the edge of my seat, but I, you know, I am expecting it to be a spectacle and to have some cool things that I'm I'm gonna enjoy in it. But I have such non feelings about this movie, and it's so strange because there's been nothing but hype and but it, it feels it feels like an underperform it i really like does. when something like this is, is really gone like i like it when it's come and gone so that i can not yeah. hear hype about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i hope it's good just because i hope that dc has a way forward and I, you know some of the things that have been massively spoiled about this movie which are strange uh seems like the fun of seeing it has been ruined a little bit by some of the spoilers that are all over yeah uh, social media, but I like where it suggests they might be heading with some of this stuff. But I think in general, we've talked about the franchise fatigue, everything that's true of Marvel and Star Wars and DC. Sure. It's, like, it's like it's like there's a certain amount of, at this point, we're all kind of taking it project by project. And if something comes out and it knocks you on your ass, like Werewolf by Night, we all enjoyed that. I'm oh. going to love it. And the rest of the time, I'm going to be sort of it's a, it's a, it feels a little bit like homework sometimes to keep up with it all. And I'm, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let them do that to my, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to watch things I'm interested in watching, not things I feel like I, I have to watch. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so that's a loaded show next time. If yeah, we talk man, that's about a all big that stuff, show. Um, Lots of TV and, uh, and the serpent and the rainbow. Can't wait to watch that again. So moviesreview.com is the website. Hit it up. You can subscribe uh, to the podcast on the platform of your choice you can uh, hit the social media uh, links there as well and of course the youtube uh, page can uh, you can link there for that if you want to subscribe to the video portion of the podcast if you do subscribe make sure you hit that bell so you get notifications when these new videos drop um i don't know i think that's all we got this week guys that was a, that was a good episode um thanks for listening as always you've made our day thanks
Bye. Everything should be posted. Thank you for teaching me that. <laughs> <laughs>